Hello everyone. We'd like to welcome our new sponsor, Metallic Dice Games. They sent us a envelope full of dice to try out and that we will be giving some of these away on a future show. And if you act now and you go through, you can get a 10% discount on all your dice orders by using the code SMSDICE10 when you check out and you get 10% off. Uh, let's see what we got here. We got Misfits Dice. Boom. We've got uh, these 60 millimeter metal poly dice. Rainbow. Boom. Look at those. And let's see what else we have in here. Boom. Boom. We have the handmade sharp resin dice. This really cool blue color. Boom. If you like dice and you like video or you like dice and you like playing role-playing games, then you need to get a hold of Metallic Dice Games. And you can find them on the internet. And like I said, use the code when checking out SMSDICE10. You get 10% off all your orders. Um, and just tell them, uh, you know, Group Therapy TV, Sci-Fridays, Sci and Saturday Morning Serial Singer. So, you can get these cool-ass dice. And I think I'm going to open this one. Boom. Boom, 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 boom. This is the Mystery Poly Bag. You can get a poly ba a bag of Mystery Metal Dice. And, yeah, look at that. Look at that. I can't, just can't really show it to you on film. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Boom. All metal dice. That is awesome. So, check out our sponsors, and uh, you can watch our show next. Hello, welcome to today's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Today we have uh, comic creator Josh Neal, as I just blundled it right there. <laughs> Josh Nealis, uh, tell us about yourself, sir. Uh, well, I'm the owner, operator, head writer, janitor of uh, Cutthroat Comics out of uh, Finley, Ohio. We're a indie publishing company. We do novels, kids books, uh, a lot of comics. Um, and uh, I, I've published uh, twice now for a different creative team. So we're starting to publish for other people as well. And uh, we've been going since 2015. I like to tell people that we're uh, Ohio's most offbeat publisher. Yeah. Uh, there's a big independent comic book market or I didn't say market, but um, groups down in Dayton. And you're up at Finley. And that that is... Uh, um, that doesn't seem like I know I've, I have family in Finley. That does not seem okay. like a a, a a town where you'd be able to get that much. I mean, uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, we don't have a comic shop. Uh, there's there's one in Lima, there's a few in Toledo. Um, I drive around the state for my day job, so I'm in Columbus a lot. So I I stop at a bunch of them in Columbus. Typically, is where I stop at comic shops. 
yeah, I mean, as far as I know, I'm the only comic creator in Finley. I mean, maybe there's other ones, but yeah, as far as I know, I'm the only one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny because being Ohio-born, bred, stuff like that, you know, I didn't think that there was this big, like, comic book, you know, market, not market, um, you know, groups of, of people that worked on comics locally. And then as I started getting into it, I found more and more people. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm here in Piqua and didn't think anything from Piqua. And I found out Patrick Zercher, the comic book artist that's worked for Marvel, DC, uh, Dark, you know, everybody, he's from Piqua. Yeah. And that's just surprising. Um, how did you get into comics? How did you? Uh, yeah, I mean, just like anybody else, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I think I probably found one at a gas station once or something, and it went off from there. And then, of course, you got Spider-Man and X-Men were on the TV and Batman the Animated Series and Turtles and all that, and it just kind of stemmed from there. Uh, then once I kind of got into girls and stuff, I stopped reading comics for, for a while there. I, I even stopped watching, like, football and stuff. It was, like, girls and drinking, and that's all I did. Um, but then, you know, a little later in life, you know, I had all that solved, and I was done partying and all that, so I kind of jumped back into it. Yeah. Uh, when did you get back into it? Uh, yeah, right about 2015. Uh, I wrote my first novel, uh, Stuff Squirrels and Porcelain Angels, which is it's a dark comedy about suicide, and then there's a follow-up to that as well. Um, and then once I got into writing, I was like, well, I, I had all these ideas, and in sixth grade, I wrote a comic book for like a young authors contest that I didn't win. So I had a few other ideas for other comic book characters, and but I decided my first one needed to be, the guy's name was Stingray, which obviously there's a, uh, I can't remember if he's DC or Marvel. There, there is another character. Yeah, there's, yeah Marvel has uh, Stingray, yeah. Yeah, the guy with the arrow on his face or yep. whatever. But uh, so, and actually in the comics that I've done, Stingray one, two, and three, and then he's in Turkey Sharks one, two, and three. I've actually never called him Stingray because I know that was his name is when I was a kid, but I've never actually called him that in the books. Um, trying to get away from that a little bit, just because of that slight, you know, uh, oh, yeah. thing that already exists. But uh, yeah, since since 2015, I've written ten full length books, uh, and I think we're on comic book number twelve, which is on Kickstarter right now. It's Turkey Sharks number three. So we've been I've been very busy and, and I, I've published for for two. I've published two comics for other people as well in that time. So very busy. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what are some of the people that got you into comics? Uh, as far as like creators and stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, Stan Lee's like the obvious answer. Um, I loved X-Men, which I think Jim Lee was probably doing X-Men at that time. Um, you know, and I didn't pay attention to who wrote what or drew what at the time, you know, I know a little bit now going back, I'm like, Oh, you know, I'll look through my old comics and, and realize, you know, the Liefelds and, uh, geez, and, uh, Todd McFarlane, you know, all the guys that left and started image basically <laughs> were yeah. like the big guys at that time. So, uh, I mean, you know, all them and, and really it was, it was just a mixture of everything. I mean, I had a bunch of comic books. I watched all the cartoons. And then, of course, they made the Batman movie and, and a few of those things and into the Spider-Man movie, uh, you know, years later. So it's just it, it, comics and, and that thing, like all of us, it's always been there. Whether I was deep into it or not, it, it, was, it was always a running theme. So. Yeah. But now it's a major part of my life. I mean, you can, you can see my kitchen, but 
there's no comic stuff in the kitchen except for this is odd world uh art that i stole off the internet i don't know if you, you remember that game for yeah, playstation yeah. yeah odd world abe's odyssey uh um, yep. the stranger yep. though yeah 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 those are the uh in the background of the game they had like uh what is it like niche pies and i forget what they are but i stole that art off the internet and printed it for my kitchen um but that's the only nerdy stuff in my kitchen. The rest of my house has comics and toys and shit everywhere. So, see, I, I, I got I got my finished basement, and that's where all my stuff yep. lurks. Um, my wife's like, "That's where it needs to stay. It's as far as it goes." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Good." The Christmas ends at my door, and my <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'd love to have a basement. Unfortunately, when I, I bought this house last, last summer, well, t- uh, two summers ago now. But uh, it didn't have a basement. And I'm single. It's just like me and my seven-year-old half the time. And he likes all the same shit I do. So he doesn't care what I put up. No, I uh, so I was just like, it's my house. I'm going to decorate it how I want. So it's comic stuff everywhere. Graded comics are all over the walls. And it's super fun. Uh, what, what, what's, your, what's your favorite graded comic you got? You know, I got asked that the other night. I don't know that I have a necessary favorite um, I mean, I got one. The only one I have signed by Stan Lee is the, what is it, Spider-Man 251, first black suit. Mm-hmm. That's the number. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a good one. It's an 8.5. Um, I got a first Wolverine in there. That's a 4.0 signed by Trimpy. Uh, I got a reverse flash over there signed by, uh, what's the guy's name? Starts with a G. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Guy- Gaello. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I I know who you're talking about. I can't. Yeah, I don't remember how to pronounce his name, but he signed that one. So I mean, I've got some really good ones, I think. And of course, I've got a lot of mine graded as well. So those are important because mine, the ones I have graded that I've made, are the first one out of the box. So it's like first issue, you know. And those are the ones I keep for me. <laughs> now, do you ever get? Do you ever get one graded that, and then you get it back, and you're like, man, I should got a better grade on one of your own personal books. <laughs> Uh, so Stingray number one, the very first comic I ever made, Mm -hmm. uh, the very first book I pulled out, I signed it and I sent it to Italy because my main, uh, uh, illustrator lives in Italy. So I sent it overseas. He signed it and sent it back. And knowing what I know now, I would have packed it a lot better. Uh, so when it came back, it it came back as a 5.5, but you know, it's the only one that exists. I think he has one too. I sent one to him too. So there's only two in existence that have his and my signature on it, and one of them's graded and in my my office back there. So you never know. Twenty years from now, that might be uh, something special. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What got you into wanting to publish books? Well, when I started writing my first novel, you know, I I was looking at getting published and and all that, and I was just like, this is never going to happen. I don't have like a degree in writing or anything like that. I've never worked for a newspaper. I've never, you know, done any of that. I I just sat down one day and wrote a book. And, you know, I was kind of watching YouTube videos and and reading articles and people were like, just start your own. So that's what I did. And, you know, as I, as I formed it, as I got going, I was like, I was like, I think, you know, and I, I've watched, uh, for instance, like Source Point Press, what they've done over the last seven years. Cause they, Mm -hmm. when I first started, they were, probably about as big as I am now, maybe a little bit bigger, but now they're like full blown, like a thing, you know, yep. that people know about and care about. So I've, I've kind of watched them and other indies and stuff. And I watch what uh, a lot of my colleagues and, and other artists I've worked with, I watch what they do, how they promote themselves and, you know, with the Kickstarters and going to cons and all that. 
you live, you learn. And, you know, we're, we're making waves now, I think. I think we're getting to the point where, you know, hopefully we'll start publishing for even more other people. So it's, it's a process. Now, do you have open submissions? Do you talk to people at cons or do you just let people send their stuff into you to, to try out? Yeah, it's kind of all of the above. Um, I'm like with any company, the, the people that work for the company need to have the same values as the person running it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of how things go. Um, I look for people that work as hard as I do that try as hard as I do and that care as hard as I do. Um, you know, I published one book for a guy down in Florida and it, it sold pretty well. We sold out of it now. Um, but him living so far away, it's hard for me to really help him a lot. Uh, the second book that I published, uh, tales of shock and terror, uh, the main guy that worked on that lives in Toledo. So he can actually come down and go to cons with me. We did a double signing at, uh, Piqua was, yeah. uh, that was the first, I think that was the first con he ever did with me. You know, we had a line at our table and stuff. You yeah, know? So, yeah. So that turned out really well. He's he works hard, and we're gonna do an issue too. So I mean, that's what I look for. And when I now when I talk to people, I say like, you know, you gotta put everything you've got into this because if not, it's not gonna fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna push it as hard as I can and sell as many copies as I can, but my reach and everything is still limited. I'm not even in previews yet. I'm not to that point. I want to be. We're getting there, uh, but that tells me or I tell them, you know, you have to work. You have to do podcasts like this. You have to talk about it all the time. I mean, it's it's hard. Being an artist is very difficult. Oh, yeah. I um, I had an artist um, that I could not explain to him enough that you have to get out there. you got to make a name for yourself. Your artwork could be fabulous. Yep. And if you're not at cons, you're not going to comic book shops and doing, you know, in stores or doing everything – and you're going to have to take a hit, you know, to get your artwork out there. You know, you might have to do a sketch cover for 10 bucks. Yep. But that guy will take his sketch cover and show it to somebody else. And that guy will go, that artwork's awesome. And where'd you get it? I got it. This guy, he's at this show. He'll be at this show next time. And, you know, these people want to like, well, I'm an artist. This is my art. This is what I'm going to get paid for it. I'm like. Yeah, you know, maybe 10 years down the road when you've built a name and built a reputation, but when you have no name and no reputation, I hate to say this, but sometimes you got to take what's given to you. And, and I and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I've had people take it completely wrong, but you have to start somewhere and, you know, you can't start at the top because if, if you could, then everybody would. So, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, for me, I keep, even to this day, we've been going seven years. I keep my books and stuff as fairly priced as I can because, uh, and I tell people all the time, it's about moving units. It's mm-hmm. not about making a million dollars right now. I hope that happens. That'd be fantastic. Yep. But it, right now it's about getting books and comics in people's hands and in their heads. And if your stuff is good enough, they will come back and buy more off you next time. Um, and I like to think that, you know, I I have a lot of repeat customers. Typically when I do these cons and stuff, you know, I see the same people, they come back, they buy whatever I've got new. Uh, so that tells me I'm doing a good job of writing good stories that connect with people. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't give yourself away for free. Like, uh, I use the example, I think little Wayne, for instance, when he first started, I think he made like a CD and was giving it to people like forever. And that's what got him going. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the vein of do that, but not quite for free, make yeah. it cheap enough that 
it's not a big deal if somebody gives you five up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right, if this keeps up, I'll have to shut down, restart everything up, and we'll go. But we'll, hopefully, it'll it'll be figured out here. Um, now, you know, you said you you like to keep your books priced, you know, so people can afford them. Um, you know, I, I've I've been in this business. I started at 15 in the comic book business and I turned 48 this year. So I've been doing shows, doing all this stuff like that. And the nice part about you um, that I've noticed is that you, you do bring some of your old stuff and you bring your new stuff, but you see these guys at conventions who just keep bringing the same stuff to every convention, every convention. And you've always, you seem to have something new. I mean, so you know, it, 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 you don't let nothing get stagnant. You, you always have some new product out there. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the first con I ever did. My buddy, Eric Gutierrez, who I didn't know at the time, but he was right next to me. Mm-hmm. It was my first con he'd been doing for however long he's been doing. I don't know if you know him. He does max the inebriated rabbit for uh, rocket ink studios. But uh, you know, I was sitting there talking to him and I was picking his brain because I was new at it. And, you know, I, I watched what he was doing and the success he was having. And one of the things he told me, he's like, man, when you do a con, you got to have a new, new stuff all the time. And I took that part. Uh, in seven years, I've written uh, 10 full length books and we're on comic book number 12. So it's I'm, I'm always pumping out new stuff. Now, how, how did you find your artist? I mean, all the way in Italy. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, just kind of through Facebook. I had, I had a guy before from right here in Finley, but he uh, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't do it. Basically he, he said he would do it. I gave him money. He, he ended up not doing it. And then just randomly through Facebook, I saw Cristiano Reyna's art and, uh, got to talking with him and he's done all 12, uh, the interiors of all 12 and probably about half the covers. Cool. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I know, you know, unfortunately in this business, when you're trying to get started, you don't have the money, you know, so you got to try to get an artist. You know, I've, I've had 10 books that I've written. Uh, I've had artists on every one of them. And because, you know, Hey, I got the money to pay anybody. It's all, you know, whatever at the end. Um, I've never had a finished book. I've, 10 partially finished books, but, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, you know, and this is, you know, and, and I wish I would have, you know, years ago, I wish we would have had Kickstarter or something like that. Cause then I could have, you know, Hey, this is a story. This is some of the artwork, you know, help us get this book off the ground. We didn't have that. We would have been at cons trying to, uh, Hey, check this out. This is our new book. Nope. Okay. Here's our new book. Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, now, that do you, do you find it harder to get the new books out there to get people to notice them or do you just have enough people since you've got the 12 books well you know you've got all the books and you've got the name you notice that people come to you because you've already established or are you getting new people because they just happen to see it or you know internet or at shows or whatever yeah i think you got to you got to spread yourself out, but you don't want to spread yourself too thin. Um, you know, I do cons. Now I do Kickstarters. 
you you get good at one thing and then you add on another. So we've done three Kickstarters now, four if you count Tales of Shock and Terror. And, uh, you know, you just kind of you build the blocks just like you would, you know, a house or anything else. And, you know, I've gotten better at doing my sales and stuff at cons. Um, you know, we did we did the tour gaming uh, expo down in uh, Columbus yesterday. Yeah. And it was it was a one day show and we had record breaking sales for us. And the last time I broke the record of, of like our daily or our con sales was uh, a two day show back in March. So it's uh you get better at everything you practice you know i have my pitch down for every single book i you know i know how to figure out what people like and what they want and if there's something on my table i push it harder to them and uh it's just it's a learning process it's 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 everything you just you got to stick with it and uh i tell artists you know especially when they're first getting into it you better develop thin or thick skin real quick because you're going to hear no you know a hundred times to every one yes and uh, you just got to figure out how to do it, really. Yeah, I, I had to explain that to somebody a while back because they went to um, a con and they had their, um, you know, where you could, you know, check out your portfolio. And basically, I think maybe DC was looking at portfolios and they're like, well, we like your stuff, but we think you could do this, this, and this, and this. And, you know, they walk over and they're like, man, screw that guy, man, my artwork, you know, and then you could go over to Dark Horse and Dark Horse could look at your stuff and go, yeah, this is great. You know, uh, what kind of stuff you're working on? And, and it, it, it all depends on the, I guess, trying to teach people that, you know, if you get certain artists, certain people checking out your portfolio, it could be different from your DC at say, if you're in Chicago you go to DC booth at, I don't know, uh, New York, and you could get two different people. One guy could love your stuff. The next guy could hate your stuff. Yep. You know, and, and people need to realize that. It's like, because I knew a guy, who, like I said, he went in, he, he got so deterred because he got turned down once. I'm like, dude, you're going to get yep. turned down constantly, you know? And um, back in the day, you had uh, Moonstone, where if you were a halfway decent artist, they'd go, okay, we can get you a page rate. And get you a book, <laughs> uh, but that's uh, those days are gone. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, when I, you know, I hire, I hire, nah, can't even talk. I hire artists for my books and stuff, and and now I hire, you know, we do variant covers for each comic book now and stuff. But you know, I hire the artists that I like, and there are artists out there that are doing really well, and I don't have anything against them. I you know, a lot of them I don't know, but I see their art, and I'm like, I hate this, you know. But somebody else might like it, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's all art and I don't know anything about art. I never took like art fundamentals class on what's good and what's not. Um, obviously, you know, there's a line to be drawn, you know, between, you know, me drawing stick figures is not as good an art as uh, J. Scott Campbell. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It just objectively or not. I'm not as good an artist as J. Scott yeah. Campbell on any level. Uh, so there is that. Yeah. But when you get to a certain point, there is, you know, taste into it as well as, uh, you know, talent. Yep. And that's with anything. I mean, even music and stuff. You know, I can, I can listen to a country song and sometimes I'll hear like, 
because I, I despise country music, but sometimes I'll hear one and I'll be like, well, at least the guitarist is good, you know, uh, or the singer is actually a decent singer. More often than not, the drummers are awful because they just kind of play BS in the background because they, you know, whatever. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's you have to learn in art that there's there's a difference between talent and taste and you have to figure that out. Um, and I forget where I was even going with that. <laughs> uh, it's all right. You, you, we were talking about, um, you know, going from um, like go to the D.C. Uh, uh, portfolio. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, yep. you get, get two people in New York that love your artwork and you get two people in Chicago who hate your artwork. Uh, it's, that's right. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, art is all, you know, it's, it's all up to whoever looks at it is, you know, the art that they, you know, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Um, yep. I, I have uh, a friend of mine, he hates, uh, Del Mundo and, um, I don't mind his artwork. I think it works on certain stuff and then I don't like it on other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're yeah, like, it's, uh, yeah, when I first started doing this, I think I had maybe two comics out, maybe three, a couple books. I had emailed a comic shop that's kind of sort of in the area, you know, and I said, hey, you know, do you guys want to carry my line? I'll, we can do consignment or I can cut you a deal on them. They replied, replied to the email, N-O, period, no. Simple as that. And I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, I, I didn't respond. I've never even, now I've never even stepped foot in that comic shop. There was another comic shop that I called them because they were mm, an hour or so away, a little over an hour away. And I said, hey, you know, I told them who I was. And I said, you guys want to do consignment or carry my books? And they were like, well, yeah, we'll probably do that. Bring them in. So I drove all the way there with a handful of my books, showed it to them. And the guy was like, yeah, I don't want to carry these. So and I had to drive an hour back. And same thing. I've never stepped foot in that place again because that. That's something they could have told me over the phone. You know, yeah. that, that pissed me off pretty bad. It's like, you made me drive so far. And I even told him on the phone that, you know, I live this far away. That's why I'm calling you instead of just coming in. Yep. Because normally, yeah, just like if you're trying to get a job, you don't call the job. And be like, hey, you guys hire and you go there and fill out an application. Yep. You know, so I explained to them, you know, I'm far away. But it's, uh, I use things like that. When I get told no, I use that as motivation. And uh, I turn it turn it outward instead of inward. Uh, so, you know, I've already told people like, Hey, you know, one of these days, if I'm big enough and that place rings me up and says, Hey, you know, you want to come do a signing here? I'll be like, cool, 400 bucks. <laughs> you know, it's like other shops. I'll do it for free, but those two, oh, it's yeah. like, no, you pay me up front. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I carry, I've carried, uh, um, Indie, you know, independent books and stuff like that in my shop. And I've carried stuff for friends of mine and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. We don't have that market where I, where I'm at. It's right. The, 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 they'll go. And I have to explain this. I was like, if you came in my shop and say you brought one of your artists and stuff, people would buy your books. Yep. But if I were just to have your book sitting on a counter, they probably, I might sell one. It's, it's right. If you have the people there, I would sell, you'd sell a ton because you'd have all the art, the people mm-hmm. come in, Oh yeah, get that sign. they get, you know, whatever. And they like that interaction with the indie guys that you, of course you can't get with the big name guys. Um, yep. 
And so I, I've legitimately had to turn other people down. I'm like, dude, I was like, I'll be honest with you. I was like, it won't sell. I was like, if you want to come to my store or come to our con and sell your stuff, it'll sell. I, like I said, our market in our shop doesn't carry it. And I would, I would be honest with you. I would tell Joe, you know, if you'd have called me, I'd have been like, dude, I was like, it's, it's, you know, if you're here, it'll sell. If you're not here, right. it'll probably I sell one or two. Um, you know, I, I had a, I got a specially made book for the shop. Well, not the book, but the cover and stuff like that, specially made for the shop. Okay. I did a 50 issue right run and, uh, legitimately I sold, I think 25 of them. I've still got 20 ish, numbered 26 through 50 in a box somewhere. And I sold them to people who knew me because they're like, Oh, we're yeah. sporting the shop and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, cool, man. It's signed, numbered everything. Um, and I still could, I still couldn't get just Joe Schmo. It had to be people who knew me. So people who come in the yeah. store, we like, Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> but that's it, one of the, tough. it's tough. Yeah, that is one of the downfalls to being, you know, an independent promoter or our promoter. Um, I guess you're our promoter, uh, independent uh, creator and stuff like that is is it is a huge market. You get so many books a month that come out. Um, and if you're, you know, on the far on the peripheral, you know, yes, you get the people who you know, we'll give independent stuff a chance. I, I've given independent stuff a chance a ton. And I have, I have boxes full of independent books. And some of them I love, some of them I've gotten, and I'm like, why did I buy this? But I did, you know. <laughs> um, and what I think is good about you is, is that your artwork and your books, you know, you're a self-promoter. You're out there busting your butt. Like I said, you're at cons. You're out there with your people. You're showing what you did. You've got your whole spiel down pat. Where unfortunately, I don't have your whole spiel down pat. So I would it would be yep. hard for me. Um, yep. And it, it's nice. And um, I'm I'm gonna put this out there. You know, you're coming to the show and stuff. But some down down the road, you give me a buzz and be like, hey, you know, we got an open weekend. I'd be like. Come on, come on down to the shop, man. I'll set up some place and you can sign and, and and push your books and I'll promote it, you know, give me enough time to promote it. But I'd do that all day long. Any artist yeah. that wants to come up and that I, you know, appreciate their work and stuff like that. Now I've I'm not gonna lie, I've had people bring me books that were like, hey man, we can do an in-store. And I'm like, all right, cool, let me see your book. And then I look at the book and you're just like, hmm, um, I, I'm gonna pass today. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a, that's a hard thing to do because you don't want to hurt people's feelings, but, and I tell people this all the time when they, I'm in a bunch of groups, like we all are for comics yeah. and whatnot. And people will say like, Oh, what do I got to do to get into this and this and that? And one of the things I often will say is you're in direct competition with Marvel and DC, whether mm -hmm. you like it or not, if your books and the quality of the art and the stories and all that is not equal to theirs you're going to have a tough time of it. And uh, actually, like I said, I've been doing this seven years now at this last con just yesterday. I don't, I can't believe I've never said this before. People tell me all the time when they walk up to my booth oh, and I say, Oh, what kind of comics do you like? And they're like, Oh, Marvel DC. Just yesterday I started saying, well, our quality is just as good as theirs. I've never said that before until just yesterday. And it dawned on me. And I said that two or three times and made the sale yesterday. So 
now I'm going to start saying that all the time now. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh that's what people need to realize. Like if, if your mom tells you your stuff is good, she's lying. Um, if your best friend does, he or she might be telling you the truth. So you have to really look at yourself at, from an objective point. Mm-hmm. Is my art, am I a good artist as far as drawing? Am I a good writer? You know, do people read my stuff and come back? Because if they don't come back, then you're not doing very well. And that's kind of a big tell. Because people aren't going to be like, oh, this book sucked. They just won't buy the next one. Yeah. See, I've noticed, like I said, I've been doing this forever um, with guys that will pay a ton of money to get a big artist to do the cover on their little book that they put out. And then you, you look at this cover of this book. It's this beautiful top tier artist cover. And then you open up the book and it looks like a, you know, junior high guy was drawing, you know, and you're, you're just like, Mm. so you get that book and you're like, Oh, that was a lesson learned. You put it away. You said it, you'd never go back to that guy again. And you know, that that's unfortunate because you know, that guy could have grown whatever, but it was that whole thing where you got this beautiful cover and it's horrible inside. And, you know, I've also gotten the other way. I got to picked up a book. Oh, I don't know how many years ago now uh, at Pitt is going to tell you at Pittsburgh comic-con. And, um, the 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 art was good. The cover was good. Oh, second. Sorry, my mother-in-law is texting me. Um, the uh, I went up there, got this art, beautiful art, beautiful cover. I read the book, and it was incoherent. You know, I don't know if they drew it and then decided to put a story to it, or if they just really had no story. Um, and, and that's the nice part about you. You've got good art, good story. You know, you don't have one or the other. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, style over substance. You have style and substance. So yeah. I like to think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I believe pretty firmly. And, and even when, when people buy Stingray 1, which is, like I said, the first comic I ever, do, I ever did, uh, I went back and looked at that one a couple of years ago. And, and I was like, eh, it's not great i mean it's it's good it's good enough but it's not where i'm at now because we've done now 12 books i've really figured out how to tell a story through comic uh you know comic panels and stuff and and cristiano my main guy his art was great in the first one and it's enough to get people in um but now i've added me being a better storyteller to that so i really feel like our our newer books um probably starting around I want to say like Ginger Avenger two was where I was like, okay, I got this figured out. So that was, that was the fourth or fifth book I, we did or something like that. And it's, uh, you know, I use a lot of Easter eggs, uh, almost everything I've written from novels to kids books to even the comics, they all tie in a little bit, you know, some more than others, but it's all there. It's all the same universe. Yeah. And I think people like that. You look at the, how successful the MCU has been through, uh, well, not even the MCU, just the comics in general and, and into the movies and shows. You know, all that mm-hmm. stuff ties in together and makes it more fun because then not only do you enjoy the story and you go, oh, I see what they did there. Now you have to get the next one. Yep. You have to have that next thing to understand what's going on in, in the one after that. So it's, uh, it's a good idea. That's why I'm kind of pirating, pirating that from them. Yeah. 
it, it, it's nice when you have a when you're in control and you have your own coherent universe and you can kind of um you know it, it's it's also um i found it for me it was kind of hard um because i did books and i had basically coherent universe from basically world war one to current age i had all this stuff that was all still intertwined and whatnot but when i would get an artist on it it would kind of feel like it was too far away from what i created do you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. yeah um sometimes that happens yeah yeah sometimes they the way they draw something is like oh okay so you went a different way with that and then you have to at that point, because you're paying them to do the drawings, you have to now manipulate your story and the dialogue to fit what's going on in their panels. And that sometimes is fun and it's a good exercise in, in being being able to uh, write yourself out of a corner. Um, but yeah, that, that happens probably every four pages, probably with us, something like that, where I'm like, ah, let's change this because that looks different. So, but it's good. It's fun. Makes it better. Now, now, how hard is it editing and working with an artist all the way in, in Italy to to put out a, a, a essentially a monthly book? Uh, yeah, we do. I want to say we do two to three a year now. Mm -hmm. uh, we were doing three a year for sure, but now now we're down to just turkey sharks because we mm -hmm. had Stingray, we had Pedo Man and Kid Friendly, and then we had Ginger Avengers. So we were doing one, 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 two, 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 three, three, three. Mm -hmm. Now we've brought that all just to Turkey Sharks. So yeah, in, in a year we've done Turkey Sharks one, two, and now three is on Kickstarter. Uh, he's great to work with. He's really surprisingly easy to work with, but we've done 12 books now. So he really knows what I want. He gets my humor. Um, he understands what I, you know, what I'm looking for most of the time. Um, it's a little harder because he got kicked off Facebook for some reason. He, uh, I, I don't think he even knows why. So that now we're like talking through Twitter and stuff. But uh, it's uh, sometimes I'll put in a joke that's American culture. And of course, he won't understand it. And I will have to send him a GIF. Typically, I try to use a GIF because there's motion to it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody like answering a phone and going, eh, or, you know, whatever it is, you know, so he can see what I'm talking about. But uh and sometimes the way he doesn't interpret things makes it better because then I'll be like, well, that's he'll, he'll make things funnier sometimes, too. And, and that'll give me a chance to tell a better joke. So it's uh, it's fun. You know, he's he's great. Uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at without that guy. See, I was going to ask you that. Is there it, but you because I was going to ask about the cultural differences between it. But you you answered that one. Um, yeah. yeah, because that, that that would be because I mean, slang and stuff like that they're not going to get as easy as yeah yeah so, um have you i know you 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 do multiple books have you ever thought about doing an anthology book so you just do like a collected you know monthly book where you put all your different stories in it or just uh as, as far as a comic or as far as like a full length no it's like okay say um so you can keep the characters still fresh. So you don't have to just focus on one uh, book. Um, so you can still continue the storylines without having to invest, you know, an entire 36 pages or 32 pages or whatever, you know, you can go, okay, well I'll do, uh, I'll put out a 64 page book, you know, three times a year. And, you know, the first, you know, 12 pages will be, you know, this, then 12 will be this and then 12 will be this and 12 will be this. 
so that you don't have to hyper-focus on just one book for a year? Um, yeah, kind of that's why I do. So Turkey Sharks is like they're the Avengers of my universe. Like mm -hmm. it's all my comic characters in the one unit. Uh, and that's kind of what it is. It's it's following several story story arcs, you know, in, in each book. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons I did that, because I told, you know, I told the origin stories, but their main first, like, get to know this character story arc. And and now, you know, my readers know who they are. They know what they're getting from each character. And now it, I think it makes the book more fun to write because you'll get two or three pages of Stingray ripping off arms and shoving them through aliens. And then you'll get another page where uh, Pedoman and Blasphemer and Zebo, the drug homeless robot, are playing Halo, you know, so it's or beer pong or, or whatever they're doing. So it's, you know, and then Ginger Avenger is super depressed right now. So he's drinking like Iron Man used to. So it's uh, it, it's fun to, you know, have a few pages of this, a few pages of that, some silliness and some dark stuff in the same book. Yeah. Now. Which do you find harder, going from uh, prose novels or to scripting a book, comic book? Comics are easy to write, I think, uh, because I can write, uh, we do 24 pages, so I can write 24 pages. If I slow it down, I usually try to do it like over a couple of weeks, so I can slow it down a little bit to really think about it. And I keep notes in my phone, like just mm -hmm. in between books, I have notes on, all right, next issue, this happens, this happens, this happens. Um, so they're less stressful to write, um, more stressful to fund. <laughs> uh, the books are way more stressful to write because uh, they take months and months and months. Uh, but I'm even, I'm even pretty quick at that now because uh, the way I do it, like when I start a novel, I will write 400 words a day, say, and each day I'll, so I'll write 400 words. The next day I'll go back and read that and then add on 400 words and then read the last 400 and then add on and just kind of ladder it all the way to the end. Um, and that gives me time to think about what happens next and all that. But, you know, it, the Hellscape, for instance, one of my best sellers, it took me two years to write it. Um, and I just wrote the sequel to that came out a few weeks ago called Concert of Flies. And I think I did that uh, in about six months or something. Um, so, you know, you got to find everybody has their own ways of doing things. And I tell people, go listen to uh, Stephen King talk for an hour and a half about how he creates things or go listen to James Patterson or whoever you like, whoever you feel you are like go listen to them talk about the way they create and mimic that. Not, not necessarily mimic it, but see, you know, take from that what you're comfortable doing and, and do that. Now, when I've written, I've plotted most of my story in advance. Do you, do you do that? Do you like have notes of what you want to happen? You just have to get mm. from point A to point B. Mm, yes and no. Um, so uh, like the comics, I will have like bullet points. Mm -hmm. So I'll usually write, you know, 10 pages or so. And then when I'm getting closer to the end, then I'm like, okay, I have 10 or 14 more pages or five more pages. I'll have to write out like on this page, this happens, this, this, this. So I don't go over or under so I can make sure I'm hitting that, that mark. Uh, books are more fluid. You can write, you know, 60,000 or 55,000 and who cares, you know, what the word count is on that. Um, but I don't do like 
straight up pre-writing how they taught you in school where you do like the webs and then you do the bullet points. Like I have it in my phone kind of, you know, here's everything that happens in this book and I'll go through and I'll like once a week or something, or when I get done with a scene mm-hmm. and I'm like, shoot, where am I going next? I'll go read my notes and go, oh, okay, we'll jump to this, this thing. Um, and a lot of my books, like, I have no idea. I'll be like halfway through before I'm like, oh, okay, here's how it's going to end <laughs> usually. So, and then that gives me a good place to, to shoot for. Now I always found it to help me out was, um, when I was working on comics, when I created all the characters, I basically made what quote unquote, the Bible of, of that universe. So I'd have little snippets, have the character, what I want the character to look like everything. So if I did have an artist, I go, here's this, this is what I want everything to look like. Um, you know, and, and I kept everything though, which sadly it's buried somewhere. Um, do you, do you ever work anything like that? Or do you just, you know, just all still up here or on your phone. Yeah. I don't, I don't have like a Bible necessarily. I've actually thought about making one and then like putting it out as like a thing that people could buy. Cause I think yeah. that'd be kind of neat. Um, Gold who's who and uh, um, the Marvel. Yeah yeah. 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 I think that would be cool. And one day I do want to do that. Um, but yeah, more or less, like I try to introduce new characters all the time. I have, like I said, I have notes in my phone and, uh, just the other day, I came up with two new villains that I'll probably try to introduce in the next book. We introduced, in Turkey Sharks 3, we introduced a new team of supervillains. I, I, let me do supervillains. They're not that super. They're called the Merciful Gang. And so they're like, they're a gang, but they're like kind of namby-pamby, wimpy. Um, so they're like not anybody to really be scared of, it, which is the joke of them. Because like, like, for instance, one guy, his name is Binge. And when he's fighting you, he just keeps asking you if you've seen this TV show or that TV show. And when you say yes or no, all he says is, oh, that's good. You should watch it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like so stupid. I thought you were going to uh, say he, if you if you told him that he's like, all right, binge it. This is how it ends. What? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be funny, too. Although I don't want to spoil things in, in my comic. I might get some flack for that if I spoil a show for somebody. Or, or do like we do. We, we always do what sport. We we go spoiler alert, and then we tell people. Mm-hmm. But we'll do spoiler alert on a movie that came out thirty years ago. And I'm like, oh, you know yeah, what? Yeah. if you ain't seen that movie yet, then yeah, you, you, you spoil it away. Um, now, do do you ever draw on uh, 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 people that you know when you create your characters? Um, so I do, I do like the storyboards for mm-hmm. my comics. I mean, they're mostly just stick figures every now and then I'll try to go into a little more detail depending. Um, but really it's just, and I take pictures of it and then I send it to Cristiano along with the scripts. Cause we'll, I'll send him the whole script and then I'll send him page by page with the storyboard that I made. I, and I do it on like a dry erase, mm-hmm. but, uh, and sometimes he kind of follows it other time. He, he makes it look a billion times better. But uh, usually it's more just to help me visualize what I'm trying to write to. Yeah, see, when I would but, work uh, out... Uh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I will try to draw... If I have a new character, I'll, what I'll do is typically I'll Google like what type of hat or shirt or mustache or whatever I want them and send that along with it as well. Yeah. See, um, I always looked at it. Um, I created this one character and I was like, okay. Um, he goes, well, what do you want him to look like? I was like, I want him to look like Bo Bridges uh, around Fabulous Baker Boy era. 
And they're like, yeah, I think I could do that. <laughs> Stuff like that. Do you ever do anything like yep. that where you, you, you have an idea for a character? So you're like, okay, I want a little bit of Steve Buscemi mixed with uh, Danny DeVito. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I was just showing somebody yesterday. I'm trying to remember which book it is. Uh, Pedal Man Kid Friendly number two. Uh, they arrest uh, the photo bomber, who's one of my supervillains, and he, he basically he can turn invisible long enough to hop in behind people when they're taking selfies. And like, that's his thing. He's the photo bomber, but, uh, they arrest him and then they take him to jail. And the cop is basically looks like Carl Winslow from family matters. So, I mean, that's one of those things where I was like, make him look like Carl Winslow. And actually when he initially sent it, he, it, it looked exactly like, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? The, I can't remember the actor's name. That Regin Reginald, Reginald, Val Johnson. There you go. Uh, he made it look exactly like him. And I was like, well, I don't want to get sued. I was like, I was like, change him a little bit, but it still looks like him. And I thought that was funny too. It's, I do stuff like that, you know, cause I'm a, I'm an eighties, nineties kid. There's a lot of pop culture in a lot, especially in the comics. Um, and even in some of the books, depending on what they're about. Yeah. Um, if you mind, if I ask you, how old are you right now? I will be 41 in January, so I'm almost 41. So we got a little 40 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and, and the nice part about it is, is you grew up, I want to say, almost at the end. Um, for me, it was starting because when I graduated high school, that's when X-Men and, and Batman animated, all that stuff hit. Uh, but I was a Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man kid. Um, Thundercats. Yeah, Thundercast definitely. Um, yep. it, when, when you go back, do you ever look? Go, man, I could really do a new Thunder. I could do Thundercats, or. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's part of my plan. Actually, uh, I hope to get big enough to where I can approach uh, certain companies and tell them, like, "Hey, I've got an idea for this IP. Uh, let me do it." Uh, I have in my, like I said, in my phone, I have, uh, I have an, in my notes section. It says IPs. Mm -hmm. And there's a list of a bunch of them that I'm like, I could write something badass for that. Um, there's, there's one I'm going to, I'm probably going to do at some point. I have an idea and I don't want to get, I don't want to even say it out into the world. Yeah. Somebody will steal it. Uh, but there's a character that's in the, uh, uh, domain, uh, public domain, domain. that, I, I, yeah, I've got an idea for it. Um, and I, I do want to do it at some point. And I think in, I think in comic form, I might do a novel though. I, I haven't decided yet. But I have tons of ideas. Like, I think I, I'm a bit of an anomaly because a lot of the writers I know, they always talk about uh, writing block and running out of ideas and can't figure out this story, how they want to end it or whatever. And I've been doing this seven years and I do not have that problem. I have too many ideas. And yeah, I, I don't run out of ideas. I sit down to type and it goes. My problem is is uh, dialogue. How are you on dialogue? I mean, I find dialogue to be sort of painful to write. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's because hard. That's probably the hardest part of being a writer. And that was uh, m my one buddy. He told me right off because he he's a comic fan. Mm -hmm. When he read Stingray 1, he's like, it's good. He's like, but all your characters sound the same. And I reread it and I said, yes, he's right. I didn't take offense to it because he wasn't a dick about it. He just told me straight up, you know, and that's what people should do. 
Um, dialogue, you really have to work at it. And uh, so in the comics and the books, you know, I will, I'll edit a comic three or four times by the, throughout the process. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always changing dialogue, tweaking it to get it more in line with whatever character saying it. And you have to do that with the books as well. You know, the first pass, because I, I will write the book. And like I said, I will go back and kind of read and, and all. And I'm always changing stuff. When I get it completely done, I read through it at least twice. Um, the first time is for continuity to make sure, you know, if somebody's wearing a blue shirt, they're always wearing a blue shirt, stuff like that. Um, or if they have blue eyes or brown eyes, blonde hair. Um, the second time is dialogue and character. So last time I read, a, read one of my books, it's to make sure this character is building towards where they're at at the end of the book. So if the thing they say in chapter one needs to hint at where they're going. So that's, that's where dialogue comes in. You want to make sure it's, it's right. You can't have everybody sounding just like you in your head. And that it's difficult. It's really hard. Quentin Tarantino's, uh, you know, well known for being the master of dialogue. I mean, he's fantastic at it. Go oh, watch his movies. <laughs> you know, if, if you're struggling with dialogue, go watch his movies. You'll we, learn. We, we legitimately just made fun of that last night. We were sitting at uh, Old Places Cracker Barrel eating, and we're all, my son goes, man, we need a camera so we can have this whole conversation. I was like, yeah, like the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my whole thing is that, that um, I, I know it's going to sound bad, is um, when, I, when I create a book or whatever, when I work on these characters, um, I put a little bit of myself in every character just enough that I can... Um, you know, I guess relate to them, but yeah. I also make them far enough away from my actual personality. But it's, um, I joke around, I was like, you know, because if you were, if you were to read what I've written coming out of my head from each of them different characters, you would assume that I have like 18 personalities because I write every one of them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, every character you create comes from you in one way or the other. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times you can emulate. Uh, a lot of my villains are the people that have done me wrong. I've learned who they are. And then I go back at whatever transgression we had. And I think about what were they thinking when they did this bad thing to me or, or said whatever about me or whatever. And you interject your experiences into all the characters. Uh, unfortunately, I've had a lot of shitty people come in and out of my life. So I think my villains are pretty on par. I think, I think my villains stand out <laughs> pretty well. Yeah. Um, now when, when, when I write, there's a couple, there's a, a story I wrote and it's, it's basically almost, um, I, I guess it's based on actual events, but a story that happened in this with, with real people, do you ever write with, with real people in mind, like your friends or, or outside of your villains? Like to, to, yeah, to with absolutely. real events and whatnot that happened to you. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, not only, I mean, in my books, not so much in the comics, but in the books, for sure, there are people that I know. They're there, and or, or girls that I dated or whatever. They're there, you know, they're twisted a little bit to make it that way. If they read it, they're not like, oh, that sounds like something, you know, they're not like, oh, that's me. You know, I don't want them to do that. Um, in, in one of my books, uh, I, I've got two books of short stories and poems. Uh, you'd be surprised with a vengeance, which is the second one. Um, there are three, uh, true stories. 
And, you know, I, I let most of my buddies know, like, hey, I'm writing this story about that time we went to Florida or we went to Ozfest. I was like, I'm changing your name because they're doing drugs and all, you know, and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I told them, I was like, I'm changing your name so people don't know it's you. But I just want you to know that I'm doing it. Um, but they have lessons to be learned and, and there's funny things that have happened. So, but yeah, there's in one of my books specifically, it's, there's a character, he's a buddy of mine and it's, uh, you know, I changed him enough to where you would never know, but he's based directly on a friend of mine. And unfortunately he doesn't, uh, doesn't end well for him. Ah, that's not good, but did, yeah. did it not end well in real life or in the, uh, he's doing better now. I'm, I'm surprised. Honestly, so I, I don't think he read that character and was like, oh, shit, that's me. But the trajectory he was having in his life, I was like, this is what's going to end up with this guy. You know, I took the lessons and the mistakes that he's made in his life and I applied it to this character uh, for that specific reason that somebody would read and go, oh, this is like me. Maybe, you know, maybe yeah. somebody would read it and go, these are the mistakes. Uh, for instance, this character specifically, he's in Hellscape, mm -hmm. uh, the first one. Um, he says a lot, he talks a lot of talk. Mm -hmm. He says, he says, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. And then he just doesn't, he, he is lazy and he never does it. And, uh, it just, it didn't end well for him because he just finally, finally he does do something, but it's still, he just is one of those guys with a dark cloud over him. So it's, uh, but it, it made for a great character. I love the character. I love my buddy, you know, and, and I'm glad he's doing better in real life now. But uh, it made for a great character for that book. It fit perfectly. That's and that character had a part of me, too, honestly, uh, because that same character, I don't want to give too much away in case anybody ever reads it, but that character, uh, there's a, he loves a girl, and he can't get out of his own way to understand that she never really loved him back. Mm -hmm. So he keeps thinking, he keeps thinking, oh, we're going to be together. We're going to be, be together. She's waiting for me to save her. When in reality, she never even had that thought. So yeah. it's he's, he's an interesting character that I. It's part me. It's a lot of my buddy, and yeah, you know, it's probably a few other people thrown in there too. Yeah. See, it, it, I guess it, it's it's nice being able to extract from your personal, you know, experiences to create a character and to, to basically, like you said, to 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 what has actually act you know happened, I guess but a fictionalized version of true events. Um, and, and I don't know, is, is it ever hard? Is it ever cathartic to get that stuff out where you, you feel like, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I don't know if every artist, you know, feels that way, but for me, the best, um, the best example I can give of this is I had a reoccurring nightmare for years. Um, and when I wrote the first, you'd be surprised, uh, again, which is short stories and poems, there's, uh, there's a story called the carriage and I used that nightmare as the basic premise for that story. Um, once I wrote that story, I think I had it, I had that nightmare like one more time, like two months later and I haven't had it since. And that's been like five years. Wow. That's so, yeah. That's neat. Yeah. The story, I, I'm sure people have the everybody has the thing where your teeth fall out. Yep. But this, this was a, yeah, this was a nightmare where like a, 
a ghost or a spirit or, or whatever was like pushing me to the ground and ripping out my teeth. <laughs> so that's, that's in the story. And it's, it's a weird story. I don't even know how good it is. It's, I made it weird on purpose because it's based off a dream and dreams are yeah. weird. But uh, yeah, it was, like I said, and I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that after I wrote this, it was never really going to hit one more time and then never happen again. So now, I mean, I use dreams a lot. Uh, a lot of my ideas come from dreams. So it's, it's a good, it's a great place to get ideas. I, I tell people all the time when they're like, Oh, I've got uh writer's block or whatever. I tell them, uh, and you, you can look this up. This has happened numerous times throughout history. Uh, if you go to bed with a problem and you think about that problem before you go to sleep, a lot of times your brain will find the answer. When you wake up, it'll be there. Um, I think like Isaac Newton, I want to say Einstein, Paul McCartney's written songs that way. Um, a lot of creative people, you focus on it and let your mind find it while you're asleep. Yeah. Um, or you could go, or you could go the route that, uh, um, I had a discussion with another, uh, horror, uh, host, a uh, guy named goes by the name of Dr. Zombo. We had the discussion about dreams and whether or not there, uh, uh, exists as parallel universes that you're existing within that universe for a moment to try to deal with whatever's going on. And uh, he's like, yeah, go start exploring. Just start, you know, go to places that you've never been and try to go inside buildings you've never been in and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, my book, my book Hellscape is, it's got a lot of that. The, uh, the basic premise for that started out as I had a dream once where I slept with two of my coworkers, uh, both female, so it was nothing weird. Um, and I wondered, I was like, is this what they really look like naked? So I thought to myself, wouldn't that be weird if when you're dreaming and, and you have a sex dream that's vivid like that, if you're actually connecting your minds somewhere in the universe? And that's how the basic premise of that book started. And now it's this whole other thing than that now. It's, not, it's got that in it, but it's not that anymore. But yeah, if you're into dreams and, and how people's minds can connect through those, like that book is, it's one of my best sellers. People love it. I, 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 you bringing that next weekend? Oh yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll try yep. to uh, remind me, I'll grab one off of you next weekend. Uh, oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, I have an uh, ongoing joke that the, one of the last big vivid dreams I had, I went into a video store and I pulled a movie, a VHS off a shelf. And I got the name of the movie and stuff. And my, they're all like, does that movie exist? I'm like, no. So I'm writing that movie now. <laughs> nice. You know what? Kind of the same thing. Um, my book, Cocaine Stripper Stronghold, which is one of my best sellers, like mm -hmm. that one, I could barely keep it on my table. Uh, you know how you wake up in the morning sometimes before your alarm goes off and you look at it and you got like five minutes. So you like, you're like, I'm going back to sleep for five minutes. Yeah. And then you'll have like one of those quick dreams. Mm -hmm. So that happened. And when my alarm went off, I was waking up from that dream and it felt like I was coming out of the tunnel there. And some, some guy in my dream was yelling at me, cocaine stripper stronghold, cocaine stripper stronghold. So as soon as like I woke up, turned off my alarm, I grabbed my phone and I typed that, that into my notes, just that, that title. And I want to say like within two hours of that day, I had the whole book laid out, what it was going to be about and everything. And I wrote it. And I mean, like I said, that one, it flies off my table. I've had to order it. It's been out less than a year, I bet. 
I've had to order it, reorder it like three or four times. Cool. That's, uh, um, that's, that's pretty awesome. Like I said, I, I, I came out of that dream and I remember seeing the video cover, the back cover of it. And, uh, cause you, for those who don't know VHS tapes were, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I put that together and, and that's neat that you, that you were able to do that too. Um, now outside the name is, is there bits of the dream in the book? That's all that dream was, was the title. That? Oh, wow. That's it. Yeah. That's so yeah. Um, in, in stuff, squirrels and porcelain angels, I want to say, I think it's like right at the end of the first chapter, there is a, another dream I had uh, about another girl that I know. And I inserted that. Uh, I'm sure there's probably tons of other, I get ideas from dreams all the time. Um, it's a great place because your mind is just like here. <laughs> so you, you have to uh, be smart enough, whether it's the middle of the night, first thing in the morning, when you wake up and you have that idea, you really you you think about it. You don't let it go because the second you let it go, it's gone. Yeah. You think about it while you're in the shower, while you're brushing your teeth, and you then you have to decide: is it is it too weird, or can I make something out of it? Because sometimes I'll wake up with an idea and I'll think about it for 15 minutes, and I'm like, no, that's no good. Other times I'm like, that might be something. You have to grab your phone or your notepad and write that down because 10 minutes later it's gonna be gone. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's something, again, I learned that from Paul McCartney. He, I think it was yesterday, I believe, he tells the story that he woke up in the middle of the night with the melody, and instead of going back to sleep, he got up, and I think he had a tape recorder on his piano or whatever. He hit record, did the melody, went back to bed, woke up the next day, wrote the whole damn song or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, or, or maybe I'm even telling it wrong, but that's how I remember it. Yeah. See, that, that, that reminds me of, uh, what was it, how uh, um, Keith Richards came up with the guitar riff for... Uh, but it was all because they were all partying and stuff. And he's like, da, 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 da. and he's like, wow. <laughs> and that was just after a, a huge party, somebody had recorded that and him just playing. He goes, that sounds great. <laughs> That's how it supposedly came to be. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's weird being, being a creative because it's, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, when people get up and they do, um, sketches and stuff mm -hmm. or was ad lib when they ad lib mm -hmm. you have to you have to it's a muscle being creative is a muscle you have to exercise it and you have to you have to pay attention to everything around you because there will be an idea anywhere mm -hmm. uh one of, my, one of my characters blasphemer he's a gay amish superhero and I, I was just driving through amish country one day and i saw a couple amish people and i think it was like two guys talking or something and I was, I was like talking as them while I was driving by and I was like, Oh, do you want to come to my house and make out or whatever? You know? And I got to thinking, I was like, what if there, there's gotta be a gay Amish guy somewhere. And he's like really repressed because they're super religious. So I made that superhero, you know, you have to, you have to look at everything and, and find ideas. Yeah. Sometimes they come to you. Sometimes you just have to find them. Well, I used to tell everybody, I was like, you know, I have a universe trapped inside my head. Mm -hmm. and you know it's just waiting to get out it's whenever i have time to sit down put pen to paper or now i do my my shows and i created these characters that are variations of me and then i give this whole backstory that all my characters are connected but they're not the same person even though they're all me <laughs> and uh, yeah and, and it's, it's just and i'm just 
I got to stay creative. I got to stay making something. And, and given the fact, you know, I, I'm one of them guys, I have to stay busy. I go a thousand miles an hour every day from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed. Um, yep. it, it, it's, you know, people's like, well, how do you do this? I'm like, I, I don't go to bed till two, three o'clock in the morning. I get up at nine and I start my day all over again. And I'm always, you know, and I'm like, I have fun doing it. And it also keeps me from doing stupid shit. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I tell people all the time, man, you stay busy. It's mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm similar in the way I go to bed usually around like nine sometimes I make it till 10 but I'm up at 540 but in that time you know I, I do my day job I come home I have my kid half the time and I'm either writing or doing graphics or promoting kickstarters or you know I rarely have like today was like the first like real day off because I didn't have my kid I didn't have a con or anything like that and it was like noon or something like that and I was like oh my god I haven't I've I woke up I watched the first two episodes of Titans and then uh, I ate breakfast. I went and got groceries, mowed the yard, uh, did my workout. Or no, I watched Weird, that Weird Owl movie. Which, if you haven't watched that, it's pretty damn. It's pretty damn that, funny. That, that's on. That's I on the, for tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. I, I enjoyed it. it. It takes a few minutes to be like, "What am I watching?" And as soon as you get what you're watching, you're like, oh, "Okay, I got it." You know, it's it's. I liked it a lot. Um, but then I did my workout while I watched the Packers game, and now here I am with you. So it's been, you know, yeah, I sat down and watched a movie and a couple episodes. But so, what, three and a half hours roughly? Like once a month, I have to, like, chill out. <laughs> yeah. Every other day, it's full bore. Yep. So, yeah, but I, I, I thrive on chaos. That's what I tell people. Now, I, I got to ask you this. Um because this is why I, I try to keep busy is uh, uh, I, I came from bad vices. Um, yeah. I had issues. Is that, that one, where you're at at one point? Uh, not really. Okay. Let me turn the light on real quick. It's getting dark on here. Ah. Wrong button. There we go. There we go. There we go. So I'm not a floating head. Um, people in my family have had the bad vices mm -hmm. and luckily enough, I stayed away from smoking and drugs. Um, when, when I was in my early twenties, I drank a lot, but it was never a habit. It was more like, let's go have fun and do stupid shit. Um, so my vices have never been bad. My, my worst vice is probably snacks and pop. Um, but I, I'm a little bit of a shopaholic too, but I, I go through phases with that. Like once I open up my wallet, it's kind of hard to get me to stop. Uh, but once I stop, it's hard to get me to open it again. So luckily right now I'm in like, don't buy shit phase. So, cause yeah, even at the con yesterday, there was a few things, but I managed, I managed to not buy anything at, at the con yesterday. And I was really proud of myself. Yeah. I, um, I just went to a concert the other day and it was, uh, I'm sitting there at the t-shirt yes. thing going, I could oh, buy a t-shirt. But I could probably get it from their website for half that much. But I'm here. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, it's already, it's already expensive just to get here. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think you're, you're like a metalhead too, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So my, I was in a metal band for a number of years uh, before I was doing this. That's what I did. So. I, I took a lot of those lessons from that band and have applied it to this. So I think that's allowed me to have some of the success I've had, but 
Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, man, if, if you're not listening to metal music here, you don't, you're not a music fan. You just like, you know, if you listen to pop, you're not a music fan. You just like music. See, I, I just went and seen uh, Merciful Fate Friday night. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm mostly a metal guy, um, but recently I've really got into synth wave. So like your, your John Carpenter stuff and uh, it sounds like all horror, old horror movie soundtracks and sci-fi soundtracks. That's what I got. Matter of fact, I got soundtracks. So, yeah. um, okay. I got to ask you. There's a place and time for, for everything kind oh, of. Because yeah. I'm literally like if I'm sitting here editing because uh, I can't remember who told me. He goes, when you edit or when you're, you're sitting for long periods of time in front of a computer, he goes, listen to vinyl. He says, because it you have to stop every once in a while flip the album over and he okay. goes don't get lost so you don't lose track of time because every so often you got to stop doing do something else and then come back mm-hmm. to what you're doing um but but i have to ask you what was the name of your band uh so we were called until forever uh based out of finley ohio and uh we we did pretty well i think we played for six seven years or something like that um we were uh signed to a label before we ever set foot on a stage wow. so, which is something i'm very proud of i don't know how i did it but i did it um and then that that company sold to warner brothers so for like three months we were on warner brothers and we were pumped we we're like hell yeah because we had been playing for like a year at that point by the time that happened so we were like shoot we made it you know and then like yeah like three months later Warner Brothers like, hey, by the way, uh, we don't want you. <laughs> so it was like, ah, crap. Damn. But uh, no, we, we, yeah, we did really well. Uh, we played in all over the place, uh, like Michigan, Indiana. I can't remember if we went to Pittsburgh or not. Mostly around the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we played a lot of shows, and you know, a lot, some with big names. And uh, we did three albums, and had a bunch of clothing sponsors, and on all kinds of radio everywhere, all over the world. There's a jukebox in England somewhere at some bar that has our CD like on rotation, so that's pretty cool. But nice, uh, yeah. I just I got burnt out from uh, being the the drummer and the manager, and you know it was time to end. And then I jumped kind of into this. Which was easier, the music or the or comics? Uh. Not touring, not that, not that complicated shit where you're out on the road all the time. Yeah, I mean it's. It's got a lot of similarities, you know, even when you look at anything artistic from from painting and art to stand up comedy to filmmaking, uh, you know, it's it's all has similar themes throughout. Mm-hmm. You, you have to earn your keep. You have to prove yourself constantly, pretty much, um, which is a hard thing for any artist because we all have giant egos that we are. Yeah, it's constantly getting put into check. <laughs> so um, this this is different because it's me. It's, it's me. I'm the head honcho and I've got people that, you know, do work under me as far as like the, the comics that I publish for other people and stuff. Uh, but I'm not wrangling for other guys trying to get them, you know, loaded up on time or at practice on time. So, you know, it's, it's a little different. Um, since I was the manager of the band, it was, it was tough sometimes and, you know, booking all the shows and all that. So it's, I've, like I said, I've taken all that that I learned from that and applied it to this. And I think that's given me a leg up on a lot of people. I think I've come pretty far in seven years. Yeah. I mean, we always joke about the, uh, um, 
It's like if you got used to touring, you get used to doing cons all the time. It's just similar. You got to yeah. pack all your shit up, put it in the vehicle, drive to the next show, open it up, take everything back out, put it out on the table, <laughs> set up, put nope. it, get in the back of the thing. Um, but no, it, it, it's it's really cool what you're what you're doing. It's really cool what you've what you've done. Um, like I said, I this uh, man. Um, hopefully, I will get this episode edited and hurry up and try to get it up tomorrow morning so we can promote you at our show too um okay do you have any other what 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 upcoming things do you have going on right now uh you guys are the last con of the year for me um unless something crazy happens where somebody's like hey come on in or something but uh yeah I mean, we've got our kickstarter running for turkey sharks three that's why i'm uh doing all the rounds with uh podcasts and streams and stuff trying to promote that as hard as i can because uh we're uh we're already at goal we're 175 percent funded but that's i set my goals low so i can make sure regardless of what happens i get like a decent chunk of what i have to pay the artist mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm hoping to really hit two thousand dollars with this one we hit 1600 on the last one i really want to get to two grand so that's i'm trying to hit it pretty hard so that's that's the main thing that, right. that we're promoting right now and uh, uh, and, where, and where can people find you at uh yeah TikTok, snapchat Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. It, it's all Cutthroat Comics, and it has our logo. I don't know if you can see the hat, but it's got that logo. So just type in Cutthroat Comics wherever you want to be and look for that logo. All right. Well, I greatly appreciate you being on the show, sir. Um, I'll let you get back to your day and because it sounds yep. like you are busy. Um, and I, it'll be good. I'll see you next week, uh, or I'll see you a week from today. So, in, uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I'm almost positive. I got to check with him, but I'm pretty sure Justin Bustle, uh, the writer creator of Tales of Shock and Terror, is coming with me again. Okay. So anybody that shows up, it'll be another chance to get a double signed comic book from from me, the editor publisher, and him, the writer creator. Sweet, awesome. Um, anything else you need to tell us before we head out for today? Um. Secretly, I like NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few songs. Okay. You're, you're a musician and you like metal. Um, we always talk about guilty pleasure music. What's your guilty pleasure band that you can always listen to, even if it's not metal? Yeah, I, I honestly do like boy bands a little bit. I'm not a big Backstreet Boys fan, but there are a few boy band songs specifically when 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 it's produced well. Oh, is yeah, what I, that's what I listen for. Um, or even there was like a song Natasha Bedingfield, "Pocket Full of Sunshine," I think was the song. Uh, whoever produced that song is what I why I like that song. So there, you know, as much as I, I bag on country music, I a lot i can't stand country i won't listen to it but there are every now and then there's a pop song that you know from being in a studio and and producing music myself i will hear you know i i'll, I'll know like the producer made that a hit you know yeah. and sometimes when i hear that i can appreciate that so there are some pop songs um yeah there's nothing really embarrassing hansen you know i like i like a little bit of hansen from time to time hey, them guys Stuff are like that. three kids play all their own music, write all their own music. That's talent, man. I'm not going to lie. Um, the one that I joke around about is uh, that BTS 
group. I was like, man, I was like, I don't know who makes their stuff, who produces their stuff. They take, what was it five Koreans who very, very little English and they mm-hmm. give them these beats and stuff like that. I'm like, that's brilliant. I'm not, I'm a, I'm not a huge fan, but that's, that's just, that's just genius right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I know of them. I'm not, sure i've heard them maybe i probably have heard you have because they're in commercials a lot they use two of their songs that's how i found them i didn't know they were a real band until uh i was at the gym one day and one of their songs came up i'm like that's not a commercial that's a real song all right (laughs) well that one band one direction they have i've only to my knowledge i've only ever heard one of their songs and i remember hearing it and going like whoever wrote that song it's a good song i forget which one it is but I, it's it's a good song. They have at least one good song. Yeah. You know, obviously they probably didn't write it, but whoever put it together did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I thank you for being on here. Thank us for thank you for uh, letting us pick your brain and, and asking you a bunch of questions. And and uh, I will see you next Sunday, the thirteenth at Picricon. And yeah, looking uh, forward to it. It was it was a lot of fun last time, so I'm looking forward to this one too. Uh, it'd be a little different setup. We're not in the same storefront. We're one over. So you'll okay. come in the main entrance uh, and then we'll have the hallway and then we'll have this big open area and stuff like that. So fair enough. Yeah, because Spirit was was supposed to be out there. I was told they're going to be out by the 5th. Now they might be out by oh, the 14th. Okay. So, okay. yeah. But uh, unfortunately, things happen. And then the mall is, they. I was supposed to have two other storefronts and then a storefront actually got rented out. So I was like, okay, I understand. You got to take the monthly and not just the one payment. So, right. So, so, all right. Well, thank you, sir. And I will talk to you next week. Awesome. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yep, no problem, man. See ya. <laughs>